0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Forethought AI. Transform customer service with human-centered AI, resolve common cases instantly, predict and prioritize tickets, and assist support agents with relevant knowledge, all from one AI-powered platform. Forethought goes beyond an AI chatbot. Their platform transcends conversational AI to meet customers where they are and help them in the way that works for them. Transform the entire customer service life cycle on one platform. Check out forethought.ai today. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I wanted to take a minute to call out some of the things that we're working on here at CXE today. Number one, CX scorecards. Take a minute to see how your team and your business is performing across the four CX pillars. Number two, CX Boot Camps. If you need somebody in your company, or if you need one of your CX and CS leaders to get some additional training, coaching, and fractional CXO support, ask us about our CX boot camps. We do a full deep dive with live coaching with your team to run through all the facets of the CX and the CS land. And number three, CX Accelerators. We have been privileged to work with some incredible companies across the world, helping them build their CX and CS roadmap for success as they scale their business and as they scale their team. Team. Do not hesitate to reach out to CX Chronicles today to ask us how we can help make customer happiness a habit within your business. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited. We have an awesome guest today, Christy Feltru. So welcome to CXE.
1: Hi. So excited to be here. Coming so for guys, conversation.
0: Christy is got... So number one, we're excited to have you. And then number two, Christy's got an awesome story. She's been on this incredible journey. And I think like I was super pumped to, to have you on, Christy, because um, you've just done such an awesome job of helping to kind of expand the CX and the CS community. You're constantly, you're, it's hard to keep track of where the hell you are because you're always in a different <laughs> town, a different city, a different place. You're always with these different companies and awesome customer-focused business leaders. So I'm super pumped to uh, have you come on today? Share the story and just give us a bunch of different ideas for how you've sort of planted your own journey and how you've really kind of uh, struck the chord that you've struck with client success and with this huge community that you built. So I'm pumped. So why don't you start off? Um, spend a couple minutes kind of sharing sharing the high level. Give us a sense for how you got into this whole space and how you got into the position that you're in today, um, leading up client success.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I, I actually I love my journey and not just because it's my journey, but because I think it's it's an interesting one because it helps at the stage that anyone can make their way into customer success at a software company. Um, I I break my career down into two acts. Act one is all in digital marketing. I spent 10 years of my professional career in marketing, uh, specifically online acquisition, right? So helping companies, whether it's agency and in agencies or in-house drive more traffic to their websites, right? Through SEO, PPC, right? We're going to either do e-commerce or they're selling ad space. So I spent a decade doing that. And during that time, I actually used a product called Bright Edge to help with our search engine optimization, which was a SaaS product. Uh, They were a Silicon Valley based company. And after using them at two different companies, and establishing a great relationship with the CEO, I said, open a New York office and I'll come work for you. And right. eventually they did. And so I did. And so I was able to spend act two of my career breaking into customer success, you know, in, in early 2012 and spending the past 10 years building, scaling, and transforming customer success organizations at hyper-growth SaaS companies. Um, and then most recently had the privilege of joining client success um, and coming on board to basically do customer success for customer success professionals, which is like literally finding the thing I love most in the world and then tricking somebody into paying me, (laughs) um, which is what I feel like I've done now. And I'm I'm super excited about that.
0: That's super cool. I think, so first of all, I I love, um, it's just, I I know I say this a lot, but it's, it's awesome to hear how many different walks, different customer focused business leaders have to getting to where they are today. You mentioned digital, um, digital marketing. I selfishly, that is like, such an incredible place for a CXer or a CSer to be able to kind of cut their teeth because I mean, look, most, most modern day companies, when you start to think about like this holistic customer journey and you think about the very first um, way that a, a potential customer or a new customer finds out about a business or a product in the first place, you must've had a lot of, uh, you, you, you got a lot of um, early, or early experience in terms of just that, that beginning of the journey or that upper funnel part of the game that had to have been huge in terms of kind of, thinking about how you eventually, as you get down the journey or you get down the funnel and you're thinking about retention, you're thinking about satisfaction, you're thinking about product adoption, usability, must've been a really good way to kind of start, like starting early on that that early part of the journey and, and must've really kind of set you off on, a, on an interesting course for thinking about how CX and CS is. It, it, it is a huge part of selling, Christy. It's a huge part of selling. I think people like you and I are, are probably some of the loudest people around like This is modern sales. Like if you can get really, really good at bringing people in the door and then keeping them for the long haul, that's the game. That's an easy way to crush your sales goals. It's a super easy way to grow your business. And that's a super easy way to be able to grow your team and expand and scale into the future. So I I like how you started that off. Why don't you um, talk a little bit about client success and give us a sense for the team that you're building today over at client success.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So for folks that aren't familiar with what client success is, it's a customer success management solution. So we manage from new to renew. So basically your entire customer lifecycle journey, um, helping make sure that you've got visibility into customer health and engagement and all the things that kind of make your partnership with your customers really strong, hopefully driving towards retention and advocacy. So I joined about a year ago with the remit of coming in and transforming that post-initial sales organization, right? So if you think about the customer within any organization, right? You've got customer acquisition and then customer growth teams, uh, right? And so customer acquisition might be like marketing and sales, Uh, customer growth teams. This is me managing customer success, support services. And so I came in with, with that as kind of my task at hand. Christy, come in, come on board. Let's assess what we're doing for our customers today and find a way to optimize that. And so I spent the past year really redefining who we needed to be to provide a better, stronger value for our customers. We did tons of interviews and met with a lot of folks. And ultimately what happened was We changed everything. Um, I I rebuilt the entire team. I mean, listen, we had wonderful people on the team, but what we learned is that we needed different skills, right? And different experiences for the folks that were going to be partnering with our customers. They were super vocal about, hey, listen, your product is really easy. We don't need somebody to kind of walk me through point and click. I need somebody who has been there and done that, who understands strategy behind customer success, best practices, and can help really serve as almost like a consultant. Definitely. So... That was the value that my customers needed to see from us as a team. That's what we did. We brought folks on board who had led teams. I had brought folks on that actually had worked at even other customer success management solution companies. Um, You know, we just really upload, we, we, I don't say up level because I would say that the other team didn't have the same. Uh, We changed the profile. We've also rebuilt our entire support organization and uh, our services function as well in terms of what we were doing with our customers. And while it's still a complete work in progress, we made huge strides and our customers are loving the people. We also rebuilt all the processes. So everything from what do we do the minute a customer comes on board through the entire lifecycle management, every single process has been redefined, rejiggered in a way that really puts the customer at the heart of everything. We no longer focus on things that would otherwise be internal metrics or internal focus activities. It's not about us ever. So we redesigned it so that the customer... Is really taken into consideration in everything that we do we've made it super flexible so it feels custom all the time but can still scale for us in terms of how we execute
0: yep. and
1: so far the feedback from our customers has been wonderful so we're not done uh, by any means but we've made huge progress in, in 12 months and so i'm excited about continuing that journey
0: well so number one i mean in only 12 months to get that laundry list of things even just touched let alone turned around optimized up leveled uh, just just pushed onto that next stage that's incredible that's a ton of heavy lifting that's a ton of construction that's a ton of deep thinking that's a, probably a tremendous amount of collaboration with the team of client success just to get some of that stuff done because that's hard let's call it what it is that's yeah. hard it's also even even in a even in a fast moving high paced business that's constantly focused on growth it's hard. It's hard to get changed. It's hard to also be able to keep the train on the tracks while you're making all of these different adjustments. So that's awesome for you guys. And that's awesome for the team. Um, one quick thing I want to pick on that you just, that you just talked about, which was when, when you think about like the evolution of these teams or Christy, when you think about the overhauling or just the, the, the ongoing optimization, what you immediately made me think about that. I want our listeners to absolutely kind of be thinking about on a regular basis is you made me immediately think about as a business grows, as a company scales, as a customer portfolio grows, changes, and evolves, the reality is, is there's going to be wildly different needs and there's going to be wildly different complexities that the team has to be able to manage, has to be able yeah. to adapt with, has to be able to evolve with. And and I like that we're starting here with team because like the team often also has a huge Uh, impact on what the other pillars are going to look like. So depending on what your team looks like and how your team is set up and what types of guys and gals you have on that team to be able to do this stuff, it's going to oftentimes dictate how well the tool section is going to be set up, how well the processes are going to be set up, how well you're going to actually be able to not only collect feedback, but act upon feedback. So I love that, that, that you kind of call that out. And I think it's something that our, our listeners need to think about because realistically, this is hard and, and every company is going to have a different type of appetite and a different type of cadence for when you need to think about when it's time to up level or when it's time to graduate to the next uh, the next state. But I think it's really, really important that you call that out. And it's something that as CXers and CSers, we got to be thinking about on a regular basis as we as we're working at these growing companies.
1: Yeah, it's just a tough realization to come to. Right. Because sometimes that means you have to make people changes. And, you know, listen, if you've got hardworking employees, the last thing you want to do is have to make a change that results in them maybe not sticking around. But at the end of the day, we are are managing a business, right? And I do have to give our customers what they need. And so those conversations, they're tough. The outcomes are difficult, but, and even for our customers, right? That change is hard. Those transitions aren't aren't seamless, right? Although we'd like them to be. Um, But ultimately, I think if everyone's very clear on the vision, everyone can work to getting there and really understands it.
0: I love that vision, compass, just this general idea of direction setting being one of the most paramount activities that any executive leadership team bestows upon not just their team, but their customer base too. If your customer base has a sense for who you are, why you exist, where you're going, what direction you're running in they can make a quick decision as to whether they're getting behind that bus or whether they're going to find another one. I always tell
1: everybody that too. I mean, that's a great point, right? This journey isn't for everyone. You don't have to stay here. You don't have to follow along. This might not be for you. Um, So I always tell everybody like, listen, if you want to come along, great. Here's what it's going to take. And if you don't, that's okay. We're going to remain friends. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, Christy, before we move forward, I want to give give the listeners a sense for what is that bread and butter ICP for client success today? What type of customers are you guys serving? What type of customers are you working with? And give us a sense for who the profile is for all the awesome guys and gals that you're that you're spending time with and thinking about CX and CS optimization with.
1: Yeah. So usually these are early to mid-stage organizations where I'll define it based on their customer success teams. Teams are usually anywhere from three uh, customer success professionals all the way up to like a hundred. So it really, I would say probably not much larger than that. It probably caps off around there, but so you've got really small organizations who are just starting to build some infrastructure and some light processes around customer success all the way to some organizations that have really, you know, structured teams who are very clear on how their business operates. But the unique thing about what we target is that we are really focused on teams where they have a high engagement model. Okay. We don't focus on like the the leverage ratios here is usually there's no, no more than a one to 50 ratio. So one customer success professional to 50 customers, it's usually that or lower, because that's what our solution really supports and drives.
0: Okay, awesome. That's super, super helpful. Um, Christy, so this is fantastic. Thank you for setting the stage. Let's, I'd love to move into the second CX pillar of tools. So number one, with that being said, and with having probably a a, a very uh, diverse portfolio, you probably see a ton of different tools and you probably see a ton of different technology solutions. You probably see some companies that are doing a phenomenal job of utilizing and maintaining. You probably see some companies that are doing a a subpar job of utilizing, and maintaining. Can you spend a couple minutes talking about um, some of the things that you've seen along your own journey in terms of what has set companies that do a phenomenal job of tools management, uh, tech stack optimization, technology utilization, spend a few minutes talking about kind of what you and the team of client success have sort of learned around tools and how you've been able to help customers think about how they can improve the way that they're actually using their tools on a day-to-day basis when they're taking care of their customers.
1: So the first thing I will say and start with is teams that have a very clear vision and a strategy around how they intend to use the solution are usually going to be more successful, right? So we're a customer management solution. Our customers are coming to us hopefully to operationalize their practice. For teams that come to us with no customer journey, no understanding of what their health score is going to look like, no playbooks, no process, it is a lot more difficult for us to get them to a place where they're going to hit that flywheel and be really successful. But the customers who come to us and who are like, hey, listen, we've been doing this a little manually or a little hacky with our CRM, but we've got it on paper, right? We're really tight on what we need our teams to do, how we're going to do it, what this looks like. Those teams come in and they just they take off. Um, And those are the ones that we really want to partner. I mean, obviously, we want to partner with everybody, but the ones who have it defined, they're going to get it right 100 percent of the time. Now, what we always say also is like, be clear on the what, but be flexible on the how. Right. And this is to be true for all technology. Right. Like be clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish, but come to us and be flexible on how we're going to get there, because Not every tool is going to be built the way that you need it. And so people that are, that have that clear mindset, right? Like we know exactly what we want to achieve, help us figure out how we get there. Those are the partnerships where our customers can really get value from every single thing our solution does. The ones who are a little bit more rigid around their thought process around that, where they feel like they've defined their what and their how and aren't flexible, those are the ones that often will run into roadblocks, right? Where they're not going to be pleased with a alternative way of getting things done. And they'll almost be their worst enemy.
0: Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what have, what have you seen in terms of uh, it's funny, the la- last couple episodes we've kind of gotten into this more and more, but what are you seeing in terms of like some of the different ways your customers or some of the different ways that some of the teams that you're working with uh, when it comes to like tool kit management and tool utilization, are you seeing a lot of companies with these like these, th- th- these, fat tool stacks where basically you have too many tools, there's confusion around which tools you want your, your, your primary CX and CS activities and day-to-day operations getting stored into? Um, and then I guess the utilization part, are you seeing a lot of companies that they're spending all this money on these tools? They're theoretically spending a lot of opportunity cost of having a bunch of super smart people Looking at maybe 17 different things instead of two or three primary tools. Are you seeing the same type of thing on your end? And if so, what types of things are you guys doing to kind of work with those customers and think about how they can mitigate contact switching, really kind of hone in on which two or three or four tools are going to be the primary bread and butter solutions? Can you talk? spend a minute or two talking about what you're sort of seeing on your side with some of some of that whole world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I will say our smaller customers definitely have less technology, right? Just probably because the funding and budgets. Yep. So those teams really, it's they're powering, you know, they're maybe using ACRM and us and maybe like a few other point solutions in their stack, right? So it's super easy for us to work with them and help them get what they need, right? Which is ultimately that data democratization and yep. getting them to, yep. to really utilize all the information in a well-streamed way. What happens is you get these, it's not even the larger companies, it's like these the mid-sized customers who Have some money, and everyone starts feeling like we need all these tools to solve all these problems. But what happens is you've got leaders who are building their own tech stacks, right? But not realizing that this is one universal journey, right? And so, if your tools, if you're not thinking about how they all work together, how the data should flow from system to system, this is where you end up with these data silos, right? And this is where that breakdown happens, and your teams are having to go to five different places. And it's often because There's this like territorial sense of like, these are my tools, these are my team, this is my process, as opposed to having maybe a technologist in your organization who is leading the charge and saying, you know what, we're going to be very thoughtful about how we approach technology in our business and understand what our entire tech stack looks like across the organization so that when somebody needs something, before they go and buy it, Do we have a solution that already solves for that here? How is the data going to flow from here to here, right? Like I think people that buy technology, if you're not a technologist or somebody who's really bought software a lot in their professional career, you're not thinking through some of those things and you're buying something because it solves a problem that's immediately in front of you. And because you're not being super thoughtful about it, that's where that breakdown happens. So I do feel like you get to a certain size and there's this all this tech deck that you have because you bought all these solutions so you're not using any of them.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I so I completely agree. And I think you just nailed the other part of it, Christy, which is people. And it's almost like the minute that a company gets to the point where they've got the funds, where they've got the Worcester, they got the financial capabilities of going out and getting a bunch of smart people who frankly they've done it before, they've got technology experience, they've built out these, these types of portfolios and processes and playbooks to get you there, but you just now that we're if you don't already have some centralized strategy or some type of central, centralized roadmap, or I love your point of like, no, 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 just have the have whoever the CTO or the chief innovation officer or who the chief product or yeah. whoever that is kind of managing the data hygiene, the data governance, the data structuring, yes. the connectivity between these toolkits. Like that's the starting point guys. How so do you gotta, ever buy
1: that. a tool that doesn't speak with all the other tools that you have? If it's core to your operating model, like 100%. those are things I just, I, I can't wrap my head around. Like how, how did, your organization allow for this yeah, right Yeah, we spend half our customers i mean listen we all know it's it's garbage in garbage out totally. and the biggest challenge we have is the data hygiene that lives in something like their crm right this is supposed to be your centralized data warehouse right for yeah. all information and it's it's a mess Yeah, right, right. and i tell them i'm like i i, I can't guarantee that what you're going to what you're trying to get to you're going to be able to because garbage in garbage out totally and so we we struggle with these things but to your point of not only the tech stack and kind of the, the governance around all that, but the data hygiene as well is so critical and not enough attention is paid to that.
0: I totally agree. I, I Last point, you, you mentioned the customer journey mapping too, and I've kind of been on this this horse for a while now, but like folks that as soon as they roll their eyes, when people like Christy and Adrian say, hey, customer journey mapping is important. This is another piece. Like if, if you, if for our listeners, if you're not thinking about another critical importance in terms of why customer journey mapping can also help to create a blueprint for your organization or minimally a blueprint for your executive leadership team. Christy, this is another one that with our with some of our customers at CXC, when you start mapping out all of the solutions across a specific customer journey, and then you start looking for that, either either the overlapping or the interlay or the missing pieces, the missing connectivity, the missing visibility, the missing socialization, again it's one of the easiest places that you can help i think any company in the world start to kind of at least see some opportunities and some threats around when you're starting to ident- identify where systems are communicating or where silos are created and visibility is lost how are you how are you actually building a world class voice of customer report or dashboard or visibility set for the whole business to be able to go and consume what's going on with the voice of the customer, what's going on with the drum beat or the pulse of the customer. So that's another way that like, it's like another reason why this stuff is so important to put it all together and, and to bake it, bake it into something that's going to be awesome. Um, you so know I'm
1: a, also crazy on that though, that I feel like a lot of people fail to see is the impact of your internal tech stack on your customer's experience.
0: Absolutely. Yep. This, it's not
1: How are, you know, those, those systems not speaking together, doing things that they're supposed to be doing that's fine but not with the right data not with the right flows that impacts your customers right i always think about like the the sequencing of something like invoicing right like why are you sending an invoice right before you've even kicked off with your customer you've proven no value why can't you wait like 6 days you know i mean it's silly things like that but just because the technology triggers because contract signed invoice out yep. and the, you're not you're not thinking about how the technology is actually flowing with the customer life cycle in a way that is impacting your customers it's
0: crazy 100%. yep um chris i'd love to dive into the the the, the third cx pillar of process and you you, you started to, to, to kind of hit on some of this but what have been some of the ways that you and the team of client success and more importantly just, just just christy in her own in her own journey what have been some of the ways that you've leveraged um your ability to curate living playbooks with your with your team um, control, monitor them, right? Keep a tab on it because I think the thing that I'm learning the, the the more time I spend in just like the the growth fake growth based uh, business side of trying to help companies grow and help companies scale, these playbooks change on a weekly basis. It's it's arguably daily, but it's minimally on a weekly basis. There's new. Foundational items. There's new directional sets. There's new pivots or, or or pitches that happen with the business that a new customer comes on, and all of a sudden you're chasing a different type of uh, a target. But can you spend a few minutes talking about some of the things that have worked really well for you when it comes to playbooks or when it comes to standard operating procedures or just baking process into the day to day of a of an awesome CX and CS organization?
1: So the first thing I always do is obviously it's with the customer, they're kind of in their shoes, right? What is the experience that they need to to realize in order for us to execute against their goals? So everything that we design is with them at the forefront, right, we don't think about our internal processes. I'm not designing it for me or for my team. Everything is designed for them to help us orchestrate that. Now, to your point about flexibility, the big thing there, um, you know, you've got to be nimble enough to account for change. Yep. and be able to manage that. And the big thing about change is that communication, right? The strategy obviously is core, but how you manage that change within your organization is going to impact its success. And so for us, I mean, listen, we're we're grateful. I work at Client Success. I get to use our own solution, right? We drink our own champagne.
0: Yes. So for
1: me, all of my processes live in Client Success as our platform. And so as things evolve, right, we're able to see the data and impact correlation back to our processes right in the solution and modify on the fly. Okay. Now, I will say we do have some standard process around how those things get modified and, and what we do in terms of change, right? Not every CSM can go and make a change to things. Okay. Things have, I, I'm the governing body over our process and infrastructure. So the team will provide feedback, right? And that's what I want them to do. They're the frontline team working with our customers every day. Through our life cycle and all the processes that go with that, when we're hearing or seeing the need to modify those things, we meet internally, we discuss these things, we we discuss what those changes look like, and then we execute accordingly. I will say I used to be a little bit more rigid and saying, like, nope, we're going to, we only make change on these days, right? We make change six months and six months and like not in between. And what I found is that me being that rigid, because I am such a process person and like need structure, um, that was doing a disservice to our customers, right? Forget like how that was impacting my team, but that inflexibility was really hurting our customers because if we needed to modify, we needed to modify right away. So having the ability to clearly define, measure the impact of all your processes. Keep them in place where you do have that kind of system of record where everyone's working off of the same process and model, and then also being able to modify as needed, but having having a governing body so it's not the Wild West. Um, that's how we've been able to do it. But like I said, everything I design and all the programs that we create from as early as even the pre-sales process through our entire life cycle, which obviously goes beyond uh, renewal and advocacy, is really you know something that we own internally from the customer standpoint.
0: I, I love that. I think you know, I, I don't know if it's just a product of the type of folks that gravitate towards the customer experience and customer success space or what, but I've found over my last 15 year journey at working at a, at a number of these different high growth startups, folks in our camp tend to tend to have a, an innate ability to chronicle, document, curate, capture, socialize, and then improve. That content better than I think anybody in the business, and maybe that's me selfishly saying that because we are like that. We are the hub. I mean, we we have uh, arms and feet and and, and 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 legs in every single part of the business, right? We're in marketing, we're in sales, we're in support, we're in product, we're in analytics. We, we're managing up to our executive leadership team. We're managing down to the ranks of the portfolio. But I think that now more than ever, I feel like I'm having more and more conversations where people understand the criticality of having that that playbook or having that set of procedures or having that process. I think COVID and remote and the push of remote workforce management is probably a huge piece of it. I'd also argue the other thing that I'm learning as I talk with more awesome customer focused business leaders, you know, if if you are in charge, if you have the privilege of being in charge of of a customer success, a customer experience, and you have a big budget, you have a bunch of awesome smart people working on your team, You are in a position where you should be essentially helping the company or helping your business write that story, write that history, share that story, socialize that history. And then lastly, I think I know I say this a lot, but like some of the best companies that I'm seeing, they do a phenomenal job of building their internal FAQs, knowledge base and general confluence knowledge. And then they can mirror it back out to the customer. So maybe not everything, maybe not a hundred percent of it. Cause there's some stuff that you got to keep in the back of the kitchen. That's the magic sauce stuff, but there's some stuff that you can repurpose this content where if you already know that 80% of the time, primary inbound FAQs are going to be asking these three things, use some of that, that, that playbook or that yeah. SOP content to fire it back to your customers and make them feel involved. And I love what you said about, The team inclusion, I think that's mandatory. I also think that some of it's been interesting. I've been talking with more folks, and sometimes some of their strategic customers are like the really close, their friendly customers, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes they take a look at this stuff too to see how, to your point, how are you building these playbooks to serve your customers? How does it help your customers? So I love these ideas.
1: Right. If it's all about them, how can you design it with maybe out them? Um, So we've got, we definitely have a couple of friendly folks where it's like, Listen, they're CS professionals also. So I think I'm at a competitive advantage because I'm speaking the language of my people yeah. here. But yeah. I'll put some things in front of them. I'm like, does this resonate with you? Do you feel like if my team was running these motions with you, would that land well? How can we modify it? How can we optimize it? And a lot of our customers are are always eager and excited to share feedback, good, bad, or otherwise, and we're happy to hear it. Um, And like I said, I almost feel like we are under a microscope though, because because we are their peers and we're supposed to be experts that we're watching every single thing that we do, every email that goes out, every deck template, every meeting that we run, every agenda we put in there. And so there's a lot of scrutiny around our team and how we work in support of customer success. But the feedback, like I said, has been phenomenal, but working in collaboration with our customers is definitely like the icing on the cake
0: love it that's huge Chris. that's awesome too by the way it's got to be a, a fun place and a fun environment to be a part of every day um you just mentioned feedback let's dive into the fourth and the final cx pillar of feedback and i was excited to chat with you about this because number one you just you also just set the stage well for this you deal with a bunch of customer success and customer experience folks so like these are the these are the these are the folks that like Whether we can help it or not, we're constantly thinking about how can you ask better questions, how can you solicit information. We're probably some of the best people in most organizations thinking about how the hell you're going to act on it because none of that other stuff matters if you're not going to take it and go do something with it. But I'd love to hear you spend a couple minutes talking about the way that you and the team of client success leverage your customer feedback, and then I'd love to hear how you guys think about your team team feedback and the employee feedback that 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 you're using as you grow the business.
1: Yeah, so we we try to be very thoughtful about how and when we're collecting feedback from our customers. Now, we have a high engagement model, just like most most of our customers, which means we're staffed in a way that allows us to engage with our customers on a very regular basis. Some of our customers we're speaking to weekly, some biweekly, but we have a regular recurring cadence that allows us to engage. Now, we orchestrate a series of different surveys and things that allow us to kind of automatically go out there and gather information, and we'll talk about what we do with that. But our team is soliciting information and feedback from our customers all the time. Um, and so we've got that frontline force that's collecting it and we're processing all that information. Again, like I said, we we put it into our system. That information and client success even gets pushed out into Slack. Nice. So everything that we're we're hearing from our customer base is actually being shared and socialized across the entire company. Awesome. Um, so going back to like the importance of data democratization, yeah. we make sure that, that feedback is heard and we use that to drive our strategy. So even in the surveys that we, we again, very, we're very formal and in terms of the timing of when they go out and how they go out and what they ask, we make sure that first, all of our feedback, we make sure that we acknowledge it for our customers, right? We're, we're expressing gratitude and appreciation for them sharing those thoughts and ideas. Yep. Yep. We make sure that we're double clicking into all of it. So, even something like an NPS survey, Dave, our CEO, and I, we reach out to every single person who's given us a score, not just comments, but a score. If you've taken the time to even click a button and give us a rating, we reach out to you and ask to get a conversation going because we want to learn more. We want to unpack that. Um, And we learn a ton that way. But more importantly, going back to closing the loop, every piece of feedback that we we collect, we make sure that we put a plan in place to address it. Now, not everything we can do, especially if it's related to the product. I can't go build every single purple button you want. But- (laughs) I can take that and identify themes, right? If enough of our customers are asking for the same things or looking for similar modifications, that's that's critical, right? And so in mass, that drives our strategy. So we put together plans with our product team in terms of how we're going to evolve and innovate in, in correlation with our vision, right? We don't want to derail our product strategy, but then we share and socialize that with our customers. So we take the feedback. We express gratitude. We have those conversations. We put a plan together, and then we close the loop with them again Love by it. putting it back out to them and saying, "Here's what we heard. Here's what we're going to do." Yeah. And that I feel like, and then and then we do it right. Yeah. I think yeah. the doing yeah, it yeah. is the most important part. Yeah, but Managing that as our process, whether it's feedback from a survey or feedback from a conversation or something that we we've heard through the grapevine. All of those things matter to us, but we want to just make sure that again we we bring it through that entire life cycle of listening, acting, and uh closing that loop.
0: I love it. I want every one of our listeners to literally pause this, go back, listen to exactly what Christy <laughs> just said. Because you a just gave, <laughs> no, you just gave them you gave them the, the, the picture perfect playbook for how you need to be thinking about that. I think there, there's just one thought I want to add on to it, which is like, I, you you the that Christy, but like. These reviews, these feedback, these survey responses, these inbound slacks, these text responses, that type of, number one, just to your point, the time that the, that customer just took to give you something that they didn't even need to give you, they're already paying you for the product or the service. It, that stuff needs to be viewed as, as gold. It's like those yeah, reviews, exactly, have, yeah. <laughs> is gold. It's like you're, you're, you're getting a bonus from the customer. But there's another piece. I, I, along my own journey, you're absolutely right. Where the acting on it's the most critical part of it. But I've been blown away. I've had customers get back to me that are just shocked that what 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 you and the team are doing with just even following up and say, "Hey, customer, thank you so much for just okay. taking the time to answer that NPS or, or you know responding to that survey," because even that, there's something in the relationship or there's something in the caring about the customer. There's something about like the the taking the time to actually give us additional feedback so we can get better. If you get to the point where you actually act on it and not only that, you start to you start to get really good as a company or maybe even as a sales and a marketing engine of saying, hey, customers, last quarter, here's the thing, here's the top five things you talked about with us. Here's the four things that we were able to accomplish. That fifth one will be done next quarter. customers love that stuff. That's how they become uh, fanatics. That's how they become like completely addicted to the fact that this company cares so much about their portfolio or their customer base that they're constantly working on it. And I think that's something that frankly, for a lot of our listeners that are building their own startups, building their own growth-focused companies, it's not that hard. Somebody in your company just needs to start owning it and doing it tomorrow. And frankly, it's, it's where you get more growth. It's where you get more customers. It's where you start to build your own army of promoters where people are going to go out there in the world and just talk about how fantastic your business is and how fast, fantastic your team is. So what about the employees? I don't want to pick your brand the employees. What have been some of the ways that have worked really well for you as you manage a bunch of different teams, you've, you you see a bunch of different CX and CS teams. You and I are both believers in the fact that those guys and gals arguably have most of the answers under the sun around the things that need to happen in an organization. How have you, how have you helped um, some of your own teams or how have you helped some of your customers with leveraging uh, how they can improve getting better at Using their employee feedback and their and their, their actual team feedback to grow the business and to to help with scaling.
1: So the interesting thing is, our team here at Client Success, right? My customer success organization, they are our customer, right? Like so, this is like having your your product advisory board. Live in your business, right? So we get we cheat. Um, so we we make sure that all of their feedback is heard early and often. So okay. they have, we have direct access. We meet regularly with our product team because we're in the solution every day, right? We're we're navigating things. We're experiencing that wonky. Like oh yeah, that shouldn't yeah. do that. So our product team is very keen in, in having those conversations and leaning in and uncovering that even myself as a leader, right? I use our solution all the time. I'm in my leadership meetings reporting out and I'm like, Hey, I pulled this report and this thing didn't do what I actually needed to do. Or, yeah. Hey guys, wouldn't it be so cool if it actually did these like five other things? So feedback is really important. And I think for us, we, it's very easy for us to just throw out all of these ideas. Cause we're going to have all of them all the yep. time. Yep. Um, What we do is just try to make sure that we're documenting everything. We review it. We kind of stack it against what we're trying to do as a business and making sure it doesn't, again, derail our strategy and our focus. Um, And then making sure that our team, more importantly, that they feel heard and validated, especially when things do come to fruition in the product. So we treat them just like our customers, right? Our team is our customer. Um, And so we want them to feel that same validation that what they need in our solution is important and makes sense here's what we're doing, and then making sure that they're getting what they need when, when we can deliver it.
0: I love it. I mean, look, you just, Christy, you're spot on where if if you are a startup founder or, or, or a growth-focused um, executive, and you're wondering how you can fill that product, uh, that product feedback bucket up, again, go, go right to where Christy just said. You're Your your internal users are arguably going to have most of the answers anyway, or minimally, they already know the the, the, they know the top um consternation points, they know the 20% of things that are coming in 80% of the time. That's probably where you need to prioritize from a strategic product roadmap and just from a general high-level view of what you're gonna what you're gonna do next for your customers or for your solution. Last thing is this. I think like if you're if you're a business owner that's trying to think about how you can expand your SaaS solutions product adoption and general retention and usability exactly what christy said get get these users who are touching it every single day on your team talking to your customers there's almost like a an amplification effect that happens right there christy where not only are they dealing with the customers but they're using it themselves there's like a there's almost like a a level up that happens with that type of feedback i would almost i would weigh that a little bit heavier if you will so like definitely start doing that in your business tomorrow because it's an easy way to get started so christy this has been absolutely fantastic before we before we wrap up where can people find out more about you and all the awesome stuff that you're doing? Because you've been just killing it on not just the thought leadership game, but like you're one of the I think one of the, the absolute best pioneers, of the customer success, customer experience community. You do such a phenomenal job of getting I'm not even kidding, getting around the whole damn country, meeting with other CXers and CSers. But where can people find out more about you? And Where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about client success?
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to send you to three places. First, I will send you to clientsuccess.com there. You can go not only learn a little bit more about our solution and how it might be able to help you in your business, but also get access to all the thought leadership content that we produce out there, whether it's our boot camps, our blog posts, our content, eBooks, ton, ton of information, our templates. So please head over there. You'll be able to get a wealth of information, bring yourselves up to speed and maybe accelerate your pace of innovation in terms of your processes. Um, also you can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, Try to be a super active there. So if you want to have a conversation, you can reach out to me directly. I try you're to be a machine on
0: me, Christy. You're I try to be,
1: I try to be. Um, and then lastly, I will just obviously do a quick plug for my website, Keeping CS Simple, um, which is my my domain where you're going to see an aggregation of all of my content. So all of my podcasts, videos, boot bootcamps, um, books I love, podcasts I love, like CX Chronicles, um, and a whole bunch of just information and resources to help you on your journey, so. Those are my
0: three. Uh, I love it. Well, Christy, look, it's been our absolute pleasure. We can't wait to see what you and the team of client success do next. And I am uh, absolutely excited to keep our conversation moving forward into the future. Thank you so much for joining today.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning into customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.